I'm Mike Iazzo, and welcome back to the JMB Body Works podcast, a conversation show where we talk to guests about cars, life, and everything in between. Thanks again for having me uh, having me on here. I apologize about being a little bit late. I was Dude. initially on the line with uh, I got a new car today, so I was mm. figuring out like all the details with that. So I what'd you get? I bought a McLaren 720S Spider. Christmas gift for myself. Congratulations, uh, brother. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So the reason behind the car is I have never really owned anything particularly fast. I had an Audi R8 V10 for about six months. It was a 2014. Uh, I did a rear-wheel drive conversion within about 12 hours, as I'm sure you've seen my videos. I like to mm -hmm. send sideways. So having an all-wheel drive car was really not allowed. So had that car for a little while, but it was rather boring and ended up wanting to do something a little bit more crazy. So I actually rented a 720S while I was in Miami for a couple of days, figured it'd be a good test to make sure that I actually like owning the car uh -huh. and using it as I would like to use it. And I was like, all right, this is, this is what I want to do. So I found a black spider with, uh, it's very, very Batman spec. Everything's black. black. It's about, like, only thing that's, uh, I would say, unique about it besides being all black is it has red seat belts which is okay that's uh that's about as much red as i get but that makes it fun yeah no i i get it it uh audi r8 just sounds so boring dude it just sounds well actually sounds like so this is it's really interesting you say that today my team and i had some developments that came out for a new audi r8 exhaust system mm some equal length race headers, which will be available in the middle of next year, but we're finishing, we're developing that we're finishing the development process. We've had a full setup for that car, but we have new equal length headers, which equalize the pulses from each side because the, the, like the earlier Gallardo's sound amazing because right. even firing order, but the later cars, the um, 5.2 cars have an odd firing. So we developed some headers in a rear section that fixes that issue and has all the exhaust pulses exit at the same point you and the car sounds like a five liter gallardo so that sounds amazing for those who see this podcast will uh you'll be able to check that out here sometime soon yeah i i uh so i want to i want you to tell us so your name is austin huffman yes um oh. <laughs> you are welcome to the show um no, it's it's our pleasure. We're actually we're sorry that we had to reschedule so many times, but I'm glad that we finally got you to to take a minute for us. I, I it was us having to take a minute for you, but thank you, thank you so much. So you um you're the founder of a company called Valtronic, yes. And so, um, just in our little bit of research that we did about you, uh, is it tongue in cheek? Your uh, your tag says stunt performer, or are you a stunt performer? So it's a good question. I. I'm a very lucky boy in the fact that <laughs> I've been around certain movie productions and other type of stunt driving and just the way that I like to drive doing it on the street. Um, has put me in some, let's say rather more nefarious situations. So really? I, yeah, yeah. And I, I can tell some stories on here, but yeah, please with those situations, I've realized that there's an opportunity for me to use my skills to, do certain movie productions, YouTube partnerships, and try to have my content be able to be viewable and enjoyed by many more people, but also done more safely and in a more rigorously upheld uh, fashion. So yeah. that's why I kind of got into doing stunt performing. Um, people do think it's kind of a, a side gig or a joke for what I mostly do because people know me for Valtronic, but I've tried to do more stunt driving gigs because not only they're, they're so fun and you end up meeting some really ridiculous people and yeah. get out to some serious machines and get permission to do things that you wouldn't expect to uh, be able to do. So I'm fortunate to have some gigs like that. I did actually the video just came out with Eric uh, channel that has about 16 million subs. Yeah. They rented a, like a Chevy suburban, a new one. Okay. And they were like, can you like do some stunt driving with this? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can try. So they said, all right, we're going to, we're going to get people from the YouTube streamies, like famous people okay. and, you're gonna pick them up, and then you're going to lead them on like a police chase. I was like, all right, I can do that. 
so they had like this parking lot and stuff reserved and they were like, okay, like they didn't, they didn't really know. I didn't know either what the vehicle was capable of and neither did they. Who, who does? I mean, that's not like a typical stunt driving <laughs> exactly. car. So I, in my driving over there by myself, I went into a parking lot on my own and figured out that if you hold the traction button for the right amount of time, you can get it to do a full traction off and ABS off. Wow. And this thing would slide like a Hellcat. It was amazing because it's it so scary and so heavy. No, I mean, there's so much weight transfer that you just, you just would swing it and it would just slide. It was amazing. So figuring that out, I'm like, all right, I, now it's, now it's my time to shine. So yeah, now we go crazy. they get in the car and, or I'm sorry, the host of the show, they get into the car I'm like, all right, like, what do you think? And so I start doing J turns and donuts and transitions to the parking lot. And they're like all blown away. I'm like, we got a good show here. I think we'll be in, uh, I think we'll be in good shape. So this is a good question. Um, cause for, for myself, really, uh, I drive a front wheel drive mini Cooper. And I have a similar feature on the car where I can hold the button long enough and it turns it off. Yes. Give me some beginner tips to safely, right, uh, get in your car sideways. It doesn't have to be my car, but those out there who want to have some fun like you do in the streets or or okay. let's say in a parking lot. Big headline. Do not try yeah. this. Uh, yes, exactly. But – it's tricky because you having the Mini Cooper segues us into a particular type of vehicle. So let's say front wheel drive vehicles, mm -hmm. a well-balanced front wheel drive vehicle, you can get something called lift off oversteer where you turn in, you, you, you enter a corner too quickly and then you enter the corner with no power on, apply steering and the back, is just going to rotate out and you get these like fun slides that you don't even have to really correct. You can just keep your foot planted and the car will just like, it'll, it's more of a power slide than it is a, um, a drift. So I got to try that. Give that a shot. Uh, try that in a big parking lot. Like try coming around the corner and just lifting off and you'll feel the whole car just want to rotate. So go into it fast. Go into it really, really quickly. Yes. Yep. And then, um, and then cut the power burn and then cut the power. Yeah. Lift off no power. And then as the car begins to slide, you can uh, begin applying throttle and the throttle, instead of holding the slide, it's going to straighten you because the front wheels are going to pull in whatever direction that's still facing. So give that a shot. And I must preface, if you do crash, I'm not responsible. Listen, I, uh, we, we own a body shop, so that's totally fine. All right. Then so, it's easy. Uh, that would be actually really good. Easy what we should do is we should fly over to, to the Bronx, get you to drive it. And you surprise me by crashing it, and then, and then we'll fix it up. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm always down for an adventure. So that's awesome. That's what, if, what about if you're trying to? What if like, say you find yourself in a in a spin that you didn't plan on? How do you recommend people safely getting out of it? It does depend on the type of vehicle you're driving, and I'll, I'll suggest a couple. I'll say two things. The first is balloons. Wow, that was cool. I have to say, you know, it's going to be a good point. If you find yourself in a situation where you're completely out of control, if you're driving a manual vehicle two feet in, um, clutch and brake, and then try and apply some measure of counter shear. What I find a lot, especially when I teach people how to drive or how to drift and how to slide, power slide a car, is you end up finding that people want to overcorrect they're afraid of spinning into the slide, which is actually the best thing that you can do. So okay. not that I ever condone this and I would never do this, but hypothetically, if I happen to be drifting on the street, the best thing that you can do is if you do slide too far, you just spin into the slide. So, and so you're coming around the corner and the car is rotating and then it's too much rotation. You just spin like this and you're in the middle of the street. Hmm. If you don't do that and you go this way, that way, and then boom, you're into the guardrail. And then you really got to call you guys to fix the car because you've, uh, the overcorrection really hurts a lot of people. So right. I've been in situations where if you have a lot of space, you can easily just spin into the slide, apply more steering angle than you think that you need to get yourself rotated and then just throw the car in neutral and roll backwards. And, uh, hopefully you're not, you're not going fast enough where you roll back into something, but usually 
that's what I always recommend doing. Um, especially if you're tandem drifting with somebody else, like let's mm-hmm. say they're sliding with you, if you spin into the slide, they're going to see, cause it happens all in slow motion. Uh, when you lose control and you overcorrect and you fly off into something, it's everything is, is at 10 X speed. But if right. you spin into the slide, people who are behind you, they can predict what you're going to do. If you just, they can go around you on either side. They know what's going to happen. So, yeah, that's actually, that's a, that's actually a really good, and, but that's usually in a rear wheel drive car. And if the viewers of this podcast can take anything away from learning how to slide a rear wheel drive car, similar type scenario, learn how to do it in a controlled environment, go to a racetrack, go to a big parking lot. I've always found this and I'll give people these tips. Um, don't use them too much because then we might get in trouble. But if you do go to a parking lot in the rain or someplace where there's not a lot of traffic and you are sliding around, if it's a if it's a public place, try and stay away from like the white lines. If you're going to okay. be drifting the white lines, because then you're technically covering the parking area, which is a problem and you could get in trouble for that. But if you're sliding around in the rain, which is the best time to do it when it's like a nice drizzle out, the fact that it's raining, the sound of the car sliding doesn't spread nearly as far. Mm. So I'd say if you're going to slide at a spot for 10 minutes, you'd have to leave because the police will come, which is their job to do. Um, but we found in the rain, if you're sliding in a safe and controlled area, you can slide for hours and no one comes. It's not that loud. So I always recommend uh, sliding in the rain, teaching yourself how to control the vehicle in the rain first, because you can do it at much lower speeds. Mm-hmm. And the grip threshold is just so much lower. And any rear wheel drive car with any amount of power, you can just apply throttle and the car is going to want to slide. So that's a great tip. The one, the one the guy never would have thought of is the, the sound aspect. That's actually a really great that's, tip because that, that's what gets people in their trouble. And that's why having a valve exhaust, and I'll do my own uh, selfish plug here yeah. really helps out because always when I recommend, if I take like people who are on my team or a part of the Valtronic team, they want to learn how to drive. We go in the rain and valves stay closed because we just don't want to attract any attention when the police inevitably come, because they will show up at some point they're doing their job. Be nice, be respectful, said, yeah. hey, you know, if they say, what are you guys doing? Say, hey, we're just, uh, I've had this happen all the time. And my response usually leaves the cops rather dumbfounded uh, just because I try to be respectful, professional. And I say, uh, officer, we are here because this person is looking to learn how to control the vehicle more safely in a controlled environment. We figured this space was reasonable to uh, exercise the, you know, just driving characteristics of the vehicle. And we wanted to do it in a safe environment where we're away from people and we're not damaging property because it is wet out. There's no tire tracks being left. And we're just trying to do it safely so we don't have uh, this person is not going to cause an accident on the road, not knowing how to drive properly. And they normally look at me like this. All right. Well, you guys, um, you guys be safe. Yeah. Say, all right, I appreciate that, but you guys need to leave. You got to go. So yeah. and normally that's, that's that's the situation is, unfortunately, I see, you see a lot of videos on YouTube of people just... It's one escalation after another. You got to throw your ego out completely. Always. Whether it's this situation or many other situations like it. It's like there's there's two avenues, right? You could either get into a huge fight and you could have a great conversation. You know, it's just it's just one interaction and one thing you say. Because if you say, well, why are you coming over here? Don't you have more better things to do? Right. The guys would be like, all right, well, fuck you. You're getting a ticket. Yeah. yeah it could be even worse, too. They right. Could, I've seen situations where they, they threaten to take your license away. And then... I've actually, I've had a situation. This is a funny story. A buddy of mine was sliding his 240SX. I was teaching him how to slide his Sick. Um, S14. And we're in this big parking lot and it is dry, but we're in an area that was an industrial zone where I knew it was getting repaved and the, the ground was terrible and they were redeveloping it. And so four state troopers just roll up. They just come flying in. And uh, credit to Mr. Ed Bolian, who I've had the pleasure of meeting many times and learning some of his mannerisms. They they go to, they pull the kid out of the car, they're screaming at him. So I walk over there and I just say, gentlemen, you know, I um, just wanted to give you some uh, things in the periphery about this area. I'm sure you guys know, but this is getting repaved. It just got purchased by a new contractor. They're going to be tearing up the road. We're in a safe environment. We're not anywhere near people i'm sure you guys got called because of the noise to which we apologize we don't want to be outside of noise ordinances but this kid is a young kid good kid he's in university if he gets arrested for something like this this could hurt his ability to even continue school because he's looking to be a little bit of a safer driver here out on the on the roadways and yes i know that we're having a good time we're having fun but we're not doing it at the expense of putting others in danger 
I happened to talk to the right person who was actually the chief or not, not the chief, the supervisor who was there. That's the person that I spoke to. A lieutenant or something. Yeah. And, you know, he ended up going and talking to the other, uh, the, the police officers who were there at the scene because we were probably a hundred yards away. And ultimately the, the kid just got a, a, a ticket for like facing the wrong way on the roadway or something. So uh, easy, no, not an issue. Yeah. Probably no points, a couple dollars and that's it. And so the, um, the kid came back up to me. He said, well, what did you say? I said, well, you just need to be respectful because the thing is, is he was kind of being a dick. Um, and you just got to throw your ego away and say, this is their sandbox and it's not my sandbox. I need to be more respectful and things like that. So very important. Yeah. I mean, you, you just gave so many great tips for, for people. And I think one of the things I just took away from what you said was be prepared. Like you had done research and, um, you know, I think what people don't understand is law enforcement, their jobs very difficult day in day out they deal with a lot of dangerous situations so when they have what they assume is some hooligans making noise and causing issues that's the last thing they want to deal with you humanize yourself that's it and i've had very similar instances so i i want to talk a little bit about your company before i do that since we're on the topic of driving um i i want to ask two questions um so first if, if you had a magic wand unlimited budget oh what would be your dream uh, let's start just since we're talking about driving and, and sliding what would be your dream car to build to slide and, and to have fun with and, and do stunt driving interestingly enough it would have to be something with four doors because hmm. something that i found and it was actually something i was reflecting on uh in my drive over here as i was on the line um ordering this or getting the paperwork together for this car is it's not necessarily about the machine. It's about being able to share the experience with others. So if I were going to build something to slide, I would probably, I mean, interesting you say that because I'd love to do like Formula D. Um, Uh I've got some friends who do it and they say the budget to do so is extremely high if you want to be competitive, because quite frankly, if I were to get involved, I, I have a little bit of a problem with attention. Um, I want to have it all. So I guess 50% of having a problem is knowing you have it in the first place. So we're working on that one. But because of that, I the budgets that I've seen that they need to do it competitively, you need a lot of money to get after it. So I got to sell some more exhaust before I do that. What, but I, real quick, what are we talking about? Like, give me like a a crazy budget that you would think somebody would need. You need I mean, to get involved with Formula D and do it at a really high competitive level and be after it and get proper sponsors involved. I would say that you should set aside a minimum of two hundred fifty thousand. What? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I thought you were going to say like seventy five thousand most. Mm-hmm. Wow. We'll do it well. I mean, some of the cars, some of the cars, the building, everything has to be hand fab. You know, relocating radiators, the cars. You're building the car from scratch. Let's say you wow. take like a a guy I know, um, Connor O'Sully. He's uh, he's pretty gangster behind the wheel. He's a good driver, and he's got an E forty six. I think a three thirty, but there's no 330 left. It looks like a 330. It looks like an E46 M3, but it has, I think, an LS in it. It's all uh, tube chassis. It's got the relocated radiators to the rear. It's it's a full race car, and that stuff's not cheap. Mm. So something like that, um, if I were going to allocate that type of budget, it would be very cool. And quite frankly, if we tear it out, I would want to build like a drift taxi, like an F90 M5, tons of power. Wow, that'd be sick. Sequential transmission, um, something that would be but also able to – the best drift cars, at least I've found, are cars that are actually quite grippy because if they are grippy, that means your speed is high, and that speed usually translates into uh, tire evisceration. Mm. So the more wheel speed you have, the more smoke you get. So um, high horsepower, the ability to put the power down, and actually the front of the car should be real pointy because you want to be able to control the slide well. So that's probably what I would do for like a drift drift car. Um, but if we're talking unlimited budget and my ability to build out the dream garage, when I was 21, I was fortunate enough, my dream car was the Audi R8 and I was able to uh, purchase that. And now I just turned 25. So uh, it's an, I've had my quarter life crisis and I guess <laughs> where 720S comes in. But my real dream car, uh, attainable dream car, which I hope to have in the next year or so, is a Porsche Carrera GT. 
Mm. I, was actually at, uh, I happened to be going to my buddy's uh, shop, the Legends Auto Boutique, the lab owned by my good friend Gio. And as I was okay. on the way, I happened to pass Rapazzi Motorworks. And they're like the, the king for servicing uh, Carrera GTs. And I walked in there and I, I believe the, the, the gentleman's name is James or Justin. And I, I kicked myself for not remembering his first name. He's the owner. And I walked in there and I said, hey, I'm the, owner, I'm the owner of Altronic and this is my absolute dream car and it's why I hustle every day. And I just would like to spend 10 minutes looking at cars. And he was like, that's awesome. That. Come on in. That's so, sick. Yeah, so that's my attainable dream car. Um, I love the app. I love the the sound, the look of the car. That's It's from the perfect time frame for me. Like that mm -hmm. 2005 generation of cars, they had enough electronics to where they were able to be used but not enough to where it really took away from the experience right i find nowadays a lot of that stuff that i end up driving and i'm very fortunate to have driven a lot of really badass machinery even the 720s is numb in comparison i drove a uh, ferrari 458 owned by a friend of mine named brandon 458 destroyer mm -hmm. and i expected that car to be brilliant but i didn't know how but it was just the challenge because if you put a novice driver in a car like that the car will hate them and i remember really Yes. As I was communicating the story to somebody, they said to me, they were like, do you see what's in the center of the steering wheel? I'm like, well, yeah, it's the, the badge. I said, it's a horse. If you know how to ride the horse, it'll reward you. If you don't, the horse will know. And it'll fuck you off, man. Exactly. So that um, was a rather strange way of conveying that experience. But that was definitely what I experienced with the vehicle is it was really a challenge to drive and you had to get every shift right. You had to have double down or double clutch the down just to get it right it was just that's the type of drive that i like yeah i've got friends of mine who they're all into i need the fastest latest greatest i gotta have apple carplay i gotta have the jazz right. i say you know pound sand all that rubbish yeah it's one of more them. about the driver experience than than it is uh some of that stuff for you i, I love that and we had a gentleman on recently, uh, Mike D'Ambrosio from uh, Machines with Souls, and he has an awesome website that he uh, reviews cars. And what I like about the way that he reviews them is um, he talks about how, you know, like these days, car media is very heavily influenced by uh, zero to 60s and uh, horsepower. And for the, the average layman who's driving a car on the street, they're not going to notice that tenth of a second. But it's how you feel behind the wheel. And I think that's kind of like what you're saying. Like it's uh, certain cars can push certain buttons for people. And I think that's, uh, that's how I feel about cars. You know, I, I don't always care to drive the fastest car and this is a terrible comparison, but when I'm in my mini Cooper, I have, I have a lot of fun. It feels like a go-kart. I'll um, match that. I have a 1995 Mazda Miata that I drive almost every go. day. And that car go. is brilliant. It's so slow. I look so ridiculous. There's a rule with that car. The top can never be up. Unless it's parked, but the top has to be down at all times, snow, rain, whatever it is, it's got to be down just because I love that. it's part of the adventure. And I've got some videos of us like sliding around in the snow and getting stuck and just having a blast. That's awesome. And there's something, there's something freeing about driving something that's low power and also low cost. I had a situation recently where someone bumped into me in a parking lot. I have, I also have a 2007 uh, Porsche Boxster. Mm. And base model, five speed, I bought for 10 grand. It's got 50,000 miles. Nice car. One of my favorite cars. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I said, I was like, I want to I want to make this car sound like a GT3. So we did equal length race headers, over axle pipes. And it's just it's just ridiculous. Um, we'll be putting out a video about that car soon. Cool. Full, full RSR sound. But it's so slow. But it's also so fun. And because it wasn't an insane amount of money, I live about 30 minutes outside Philly. And I was going uh downtown to go out with some friends and i left the car parked like in a garage and i noticed that someone had uh, hit the front of the car and scraped the front bumper and i mean it's just like it's just ah, that sucks just move on you know you yeah just... but if it was the 720 you might cry yeah 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 i mean it, that's another thing as well and it, it does concern me a little bit for that ownership of that vehicle uh, and i had it with the r8 a little bit um my driving style is not going to change i'm going to really push the car mm -hmm. And just make sure that I have good insurance. So yeah. I mean, ship ship it down to JMB and have us wrap it up. And yeah, I was gonna say if there's if there ever is an issue, I'll be definitely calling you guys because you um, with the way I drive and some of the things that I do with the cars, it's not an if; it is definitely when. when. Awesome. So definitely be needing your assistance on that. Yeah, we're here for you. I really want to hear about 
Favtronic, absolute kudos to you. One of the reasons why we really wanted to have you on is because I didn't know exactly how old you were, but I knew you were a younger guy. Happy birthday. Thank you. 25. Um, Thank you. I want to give you absolute props and kudos because a young guy to to start a business and, and be a hustler like you, it's super inspirational for a guy like me who's also young and and uh, not as young as you. But you gotta- uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's important to to see a guy like you who's done so much with your life already. Uh, it doesn't, you know, one of the things that I can catch from you already that's awesome is there's a big difference between conveying confidence in a way that's like you don't want to be that cocky guy, and you could tell you're confident without being cocky, and that's a trait that I really love in people. And um, so I, I want to hear about Valvetronic. I want to hear about how you got into that. Tell me about your brand identity. What do you want people to feel when they think or or see the brand? Um, and just fill me in on what you guys do over there. All right. So um, we've got some time. So I'll start all the way from the beginning. Please. When I was 14 years old, I had always had the interest in cars. And as I you know, was kind of getting into high school, my identity became cars. And I remember as I was 14 in the summer, my family had a summer house in Rhode Island. And I remember seeing this Porsche 996 Turbo, mm-hmm. Turbo uh, convertible, excuse me. Ended up talking to the guy and I'm young kid, real green. I got my buddy Sam with me and we're both 14. We ride over on our bikes to see this car. And this guy's super nice guy. And I had always researched, weirdly enough, like the Fab Speed catalogs, so the exhaust and the suspension, all the stuff they were offering. And I happened to notice, all right, the car's got wheel spacers. The car's got, um, you know, it the Turbo S brakes, which I thought was really strange. Uh, so the car had ceramic, or not ceramic brakes, but they had like the yellow, or not the yellow mm-hmm. cows. They had the red cows, but they were the bigger uh, right. cows. And so I noticed all these things. And the, the owner looks at me and he goes, how do you know all this? And I kind of told him, I was like, I'm really an enthusiast. I love this stuff. He goes, you want to come for a ride? I'm like, Absolutely. Yeah, so of course, guy, yeah. I mean, he's, he's no idea who this guy is, um, which don't do this, but the guy takes us for a blast. This car is, uh, you know, it's tuned, no exhaust works, so it just sounded like a really fast vacuum cleaner. Uh, but he takes us for a rip and we're, and me and Sam were loving it because we've never been in anything fast before. So that kind of began my first business adventure, which was detailing because the guy said to me after going for a ride, he said, I need somebody to clean the car. It's always dirty. It sits outside here. And I'm like, well, actually I've been wanting to get into detailing. My uncle at the time had a Mercedes SL, SL 550, but he's Mm -hmm. very meticulous. He always would clean the car on Saturday. Everything was clean. Everything was fresh inside of the wheels, always fresh. And he was about that. He loved that as part of his routine. And so he taught me how to do a lot of detailing stuff, what waxes to use, what products to use, whatnot. So I got into doing detailing, started with this 996 uh, convertible and just ended up doing car detailing. And that's how I brought in a decent amount of money to kind of get started with my uh, being able to hopefully one day buy a dream car that I always wanted to to own. So we'll fast forward and I ended up getting my license at 16 and a half. Before then, I had asked my father and said, hey, you know, what car are you going to buy me for? for when I turn uh, 16 or when I get my license, he laughs at me and goes, you can buy anything that you can afford. Wow. It was the good thing. Uh, I'm happy that I had that because if I didn't have that and I was in a little bit different passion, he said, oh, you yeah, have whatever you want. I would not be the uh, man I am today. That's for sure. And I ended up you know, with a decent amount of money and I ended up buying a 2012 BMW 335i, an X-Drive car, coupe, uh, black sapphire with a red interior. That's a that's a really great first car. Really great first car. It was very fortunate. It was very expensive. It was like thirty thousand dollars, but I had saved up everything that I had ever earned and had purchased that car. So I had the car for about six months and did everything to it. I was working at an automotive like um, audio and install place uh, called mm-hmm. Luxury Details, and that was like my first real job where I wasn't working for myself. While I was doing that. I was kind of getting paid. I was using my, I was using my commissions that I was earning to buy parts. So I bought like the ST suspension, I bought wheels and I got into doing exhaust work and I Mm -hmm. did a bunch of research, just delving in online so much. And this was at the time where the 2012 cars were not unlocked. Only the 2011 like E chassis cars were unlocked. So 2012, mine had a new DME kind of from the F chassis. So I couldn't be unlocked. So my car didn't have the pops and that's what I wanted. I wanted more. I wanted that more than I wanted like 
a night with Kate Upton. I wanted to exhaust her. <laughs> yeah, how do I do this? And I ended up learning a lot about like, okay, like I got to do the downpipes to get some more sound. I got to do the BMW performance exhaust. So I ended up figuring out and getting all these pieces. I'm still like 16 and a half, 17 at the time. I get the parts, do the mods of the car, and I'm still working for this shop. And I poured everything into this car. Really enjoyed the car, but an interesting thing happened to me. I think it was on, I think it was in May. I don't exactly remember the date, but I was a senior in high school. I had this car and I'm sorry. No, I was a junior in high school. I had this car and I picked up this girl one night. And was it Kate Upton? It was not Kate Upton. Wow. That was, <laughs> man, that would be such a cool story. I picked up this girl and I ended up driving her back to her house in Natick at like two in the morning in this BMW. It's two in the morning. It's a nice night. It's probably 50 degrees. And I come back to Wellesley, which is the next town over. And I'm flying on the, uh, a road called route nine. And I pass a Wellesley police officer at a hundred and I had 109 in a 50. Oof. He's facing this way. I go flying past. And initially my reaction is chase is on. So I turn my headlights off, me being a complete moron. I turn my headlights off, but those 335s, they have DRLs, like the right ones are always on in the back. So that didn't help at all. Um, so I keep going. I blast past this guy and I had probably a half mile or eh, probably three quarters of a mile until I needed to make a U-turn and turn around to go into my neighborhood. So the road's mm -hmm. on our road. It's um, two lanes either direction and there's stoplights. And there's a turnaround where you can kind of get into like the, the neighborhoods on the side. So you would turn around and you'd go to your neighborhood. I'm coming over the hill. I come down the hill, past the cop. There's a left, I go through a stoplight, which was green. And then I go to get on the brakes to make that U-turn. And I was on my winter wheel and tire setup. I missed it. I didn't brake fast enough. Oh God. And I come over the next hill and there's a, another Wellesley police officer blocking. Oh God. So I'm like, oh no, I'm screwed. And I ended up slowing down. They pulled me over and I got arrested. I was 17. Uh, oh. Took me in, got arrested. Um, got 109 and a 50, which uh, wasn't good. That's a, isn't that immediate license taken away? Yes. Yeah. Well, so this is very interesting and it's unfortunate that's, well, it's not unfortunate, but I kind of deserved it. Um, certain counties do something called, they will propose an immediate threat. So let's say that well, this is exactly what happened. Instead of being able to just revoke my license, because you have to go through the court process and all the stuff, like if I had gotten convicted, the license away. But what the police can do is if they see that somebody is clearly a threat, they issue an immediate threat, which just, which just revokes the license. It just basically don't even have one. So that's what it did to me. So I did not have a license and in order to pay for the legal fees and try to get myself out of the situation out of it, meaning hopefully I could get some community service. And, um, this was my first time having a situation like this. So I ended up getting it figured out, but I had no money because I had spent it all in this car. So I sold the car. Oh, I got 20, $27,000, $28,000 out of the car. And I paid, I think my attorney fees like seven, $8,000. So I had to pay those, which is my blunder. And Price I of doing business. That's yep. That's the cost of, uh, cost of doing business. Sometimes learned a lot. And when that happened, I was still real green. So I was like, Oh, you know, I, I'll be fine next time. Never have learned from my mistakes. So that process goes through. I lose the car. I don't have a car for a little while. Unfortunately, I end up getting my license back. And then I buy an E46 M3. Nice. Uh, um, Imola Red over Cinnamon. Bought the beautiful. car out of Long Beach. Uh, beautiful car. Uh, really, really love that car. And had that car for a little while. But then I wanted to jump back into the 335s because I had always been interested in that kind of turbocharged aspect. So... I ended up selling that car and I bought a Alpine white 335 six speed red interior extra. Nice. Car. And that car is kind of where the Valvetronic, let's say, um, mindset began. Okay. And the brainchild. Began, yeah. It began with this. 
I had purchased the car and the car had the, it, it had something called the PE mod, which is the performance exhaust mod where you take the rear mufflers out of the car and then you open them up and you straight pipe them and then you weld it all back together and you put it back in. Interesting. Okay. From factory, all those BMW 335s, they all had an exhaust valve on the driver's side, but it was only used for like an emissions control device and providing some sort of back pressure. The 335 ISs had it, all the 335s, e-chassis had it. And obviously this, these two cars that I had, both the black car, my first car and the white car had it. So because of that, I ended up figuring out, I'm like, all right, well, this car has these straight pipe mufflers, but it's got the valve. Why don't I just use the valve to be a noise control device, keep the valve side straight piped, and then I'll put another stock muffler back on the passenger side, which doesn't have the valve. So I had this white car and also too, the car that I had purchased was MHD stage two. It was 2011. So this car was able to be unlocked, had the pops and cracks, had the BMW mm. performance, had the BMW power kit that had been flashed. You could get like the pops and cracks and stuff. Had that, had a JB4, had the whole shooting match. That was a really uh, a great car. And it's where the stuff all began. And I ended up doing the, called it the one half PE mod. And I found a guy in Canada who made these valve controllers where you could control the valve. So I messaged this guy. I said, hey, you know, I want to buy one. So I bought one and had this one half PE modded exhaust. And it allowed me to control the loud and then have the car be actually quite docile. So my 335 X-Drive car had free flow catless downpipes. Then it had a, uh, still had the factory midsection with the factory midcats. Mm -hmm. X-Pipe from factory, all the cars, all the 335s had that. And then it was the two mufflers in the rear. So this one was straight piped with the valve and this one was stock. So wow. then once I had the car and people knew that I was doing this, I would go to these meets called the Shake Shack meets. And they were on Thursday nights and they were uh, behind the Chestnut Hill, Chestnut Hill Mall Shake Shack. We would get together. There'd be 20, 30, 40 cars sometimes. And we would go and have Shake Shack talk about cars. And this was like the highlight of my life. I could, I always, I couldn't wait for Thursday, Thursday night, yeah. hang out with the guys in the parking lot and just shoot the shit about cars. So there was a YouTuber up and coming YouTuber who is now very, very successful. His name is Tedward Tom of the Tedward YouTube channel. And back at this time, he had like 5,000 subs. He had said, Hey, this exhaust you have for the 335 is really cool. Let's make a video. So we made a collection of probably I think four videos on this car and they amassed like half a million views wow like, wow this is really cool it's relatable content the car is not that expensive it's like a 15 20 car at the time and because of that i people asked me or i'm sorry a lot of people had asked me in that circle how i did that modification but tom being the uh content mastermind was like why don't you tell us how you did this so I spoke about the process that I used to build the exhaust. I said, you straight mm -hmm. one side, get the valve controller, do some free flow, do some callus down pipes, whatever. I put my Instagram in the video. I was like referenced as the person who was the creator. And a bunch of people, they saw the video as the video was climbing in views and they messaged me directly and they said, hey, I want to buy this. Where can I buy this? Mm -hmm. Don't buy it. Just do what I said in the video. And I realized at that moment, this is a business opportunity because people don't want to do it themselves. They want to just right. buy it. That's where the light bulb went off. Exactly. So at this time, I was a, I was probably a senior at, uh, at high school. I was 18 at the time. Still had this car and was, you know, ended up getting ready to go to university and I ended up going to Lehigh University and, People had always asked me of how to, how to build this and how to do this. And so I would give people advice. But then when I got to university, when I got to Lehigh, I ended up getting rid of the white car and there were some other cars in between, but then I bought a silver 335i sedan, um, six speed, no nav, a titanium silver over a like saddle brown car. Really, really cool car, rear wheel drive. And I had that car and I wanted to bring it on campus. But at Lehigh, if you're a freshman, you cannot bring your car on campus. So I ended up 
convincing them that the Valvetronic project of modifying this car's exhaust was a school Ooh. project and I needed the car on campus. Because, you know, I, in my high school years, my car was my identity. Like people knew me as the car guy. And so I got to university, didn't join a frat, wasn't super interested in that stuff. And I was able to get my car on campus. It was extremely expensive, but I paid for the parking pass and I had it, which made me very happy. And then Lehigh University, credit to them, there was a program called Launch Bay C. And I'm okay. at this time and I'm working with the kind of entrepreneurial, it was a Baker Institute of Entrepreneurial Ventures that they had at the school. And so I would be going in there, asking them about advice. Okay, like I want to sell these. How do I do it? I got myself accepted into a program as I was a uh, my freshman year summer at school, like this launch base, it was called the Hatchery. And it was to start this company. And throughout the process, I had the car. I ended up working with a manufacturer in Chambersburg, Monarch Manufacturing, to help me build like the first prototypes. And we ended up making full-scale production out of that facility. And I sold wow. my first, yeah, I sold my first unit. I think it was it would have been like August 2018 is when the what did that feel like to sell your first unit? I mean, I didn't really know what it was going to amount to, but I remember on Instagram, cause I was like, all right, I'm going to use some social media marketing here to, cause it was free. Um, so I would post pictures of other people's cars and the caption would be this three thirty five looks amazing. Imagine what it would sound like with a Valvetronic exhaust. Mm. And I ended up purchasing the Valvetronic Instagram tag from this guy Actually, no, I'm sorry. I didn't purchase it. He was nice enough because I told him about this. I told him about the whole project and he was, I forget what his um, his new Instagram name was, but he said, this is an awesome project. Just take the name. You can have that's it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. A nice guy. And that's kind of where it began. I had the Instagram page. We started selling units and I did a pre-order because I had my own car of which I showed the valve controller uh, which I reverse engineered and was able to build them myself. And I had this production ready model and I was building these units. I made instructional videos about, okay, you cut here, cut here, 55 millimeter clamp here, 60 millimeter clamp here. And I, that's kind of where the first sales came from. After I had gotten into that, I think we did maybe 15 or 20 units and they were six or $700 a piece. There was some, there was some money going into this, but people really wanted this experience because a lot of people who had 335s, they would just straight pipe the cars. It was too loud. Right. So, and I worked really hard to try to convince people that my exhaust option was the best because there actually wasn't any valved exhaust options for the E9X 335. And there really still isn't. Um, we now, my company, we built a universal valve muffler, which is taken the world by storm, which is very, very popular. You put it on anything and allows you to have the valves, but that wasn't out back then. Even a Mini Cooper? We've actually done a lot of minis, uh, really? like the John Cooper works. Yeah. So we can touch base about that. Maybe offline, we'll get you set up. Okay. But from there, I had the car 335. We had our first couple of sales. And fortunately at the time, I had always been doing side gigs where I'd modify people's cars or do like consulting for modification. So I had other streams of money coming in and I had always wanted an E92 M3. So I ended up selling the silver car. And I looked to find a E92 M3. I found a car in Arizona. It was a Melbourne red, six-speed, slick top. Not one uh, you see. Yes, you exactly. You don't see that color a lot, especially a slick top. Yes, 2010, carbon roof car, manual, uh, and it had the speed cloth interior. The only thing it didn't have was it had the uh, double hump nav, which, was, which isn't my favorite personally. But um, ended up purchasing the car. And that's where the kind of Valtronic version one of the electronic flat exhaust came from because those cars did not have exhaust valves. Mm -hmm. So I ended up uh, kind of working with some suppliers overseas to try to build us this because it was too expensive to build it here in the US. And so I needed to find a production house uh, overseas that could help me build this. So I wanted my own logo tips and I wanted the best quality hardware. So we ended up putting out that program and I had my E92 as the showcase. And I had a Challenge X-Pipe on the car, and I really just got after it, pushing sale. Brought on a business partner who was actually my roommate in college, ended up expanding the team, and we just kept snowballing into other projects. I bought a C63 Mercedes. We ended up wow. doing on that. And, yeah, it was just uh, the ball just kept rolling. Wow. So it sounds like 
from what I understand, you you had some good resources with the university. Most and, definitely. A lot of credit to them. But what it sounds like really is that you uh, you stayed away from maybe some of the more classic college distractions and uh, just focused on on your dream. I think that's a really great lesson for young people to – it seems like you you just took a risk and you kept yeah. pushing. But what's interesting about that, and I will never – everybody is going to have to have their own path. My path was very different than most at that university because I had uh, – credit to my mother and father. Um, they have instilled in me – I'm very fortunate to have grown up in a wealthy family, but they said, this is our money. You need to make your own money. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I was, that was always ingrained in my head. My, my parents are very, very hardworking, extremely dedicated, extremely focused people to their work. And I have to have my own craft. So that was my mentality going in. And I, it, quite frankly, I guess this is just more of me as an individual, but when I was in high school, I was actually part of something called what's the word mass and what's the word mass start. It's an Instagram page now, but it was a group chat and the group chat. There were representatives from every town. I grew up in Wellesley. There was mm -hmm. New Framingham, Lexington, uh, Sherburne, Dover, all these towns. And everyone would have a representative or people from the town and they would put addresses of parties <laughs> in this chat. So this is a little bit of a side story, but it's funny. So um, I happen to be the representative from Wellesley. I wasn't a very cool kid, so I seldom ever put parties in there. But me and my friends, we would go to these parties and I would always drive. So I would never drink. Mm. That was my gig is I was always the DD. But I enjoyed that because I'm pretty outgoing. I could have a good time without it. And it was always so fun because we would go to these events or we would go to these parties and that was like my, I feel like my college experience I ended up having oh. in high school because we would go to these parties Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, huge 300 person house party, just massive parties. And I feel like I got my experience. I kind of got cleansed of that. Even though I wasn't drinking, I just, I had already experienced it. I mean, we would, we would the party started so early. They'd start at eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. So at eight o'clock, we'd get there, you know, nine, nine thirty, ten. 10 at 1030, we would head back. I'd be in my bed by 11. It was great. Yeah. And honestly, it sounds like the perfect night for me. Exactly. And so, yeah, it was, it was really a fascinating time. And, and at some of these parties, some really crazy stuff would break out because I think I was raised pretty well, but hi dad. Um, <laughs> dad walks in, dad walks in. Um, I have a lot of respect for other people's stuff and a lot of kids who would come to these parties, they didn't. Mm -hmm. So I remember going to this one, uh, I think we were in Sherburne or somewhere and Huge house, big place. Kid wanted to be cool. Um, so he just invited everybody. And then we all showed up. And I remember seeing stuff like people stealing stuff. And then there was a situation where everyone was in this like hall in the center of the house. And I remember my buddy Noah Jick was with me. Good kid. And I remember he was a really big kid. And I was real scrawny at the time. I still am. But um, I remember there was something that was said. He was like the owner of the house got into a, like a conflict with someone who was out of town and like the, a girl jumped in. And then this one kid like joined the ring of people who were having this conversation. One kid got shoved and then this other kid just uncorked a perfect right hand oh, on this guy. And this, the head went boom, her head went, or the, the guy's head went back and then absolute chaos in like oh, oh my god drinks flying people piling up it was crazy but i'm like there i'm like Ooh, i gotta like try to avoid what's going yeah, on yeah you're the sober guy who's just like, trying to like stay alive in this situation <laughs> don't hit me um so we ended up getting out of there and it was just but stuff like that would happen often um Wild. and you know these this is like not like downtown boston stuff but it was like these these parties would get really really rowdy but that's uh, awesome it was I wish it was we had something like that i didn't have that in high school or even in college that would, that's that's actually sounds like a great idea to just oh, it, was, it was it was so connect strange. people yeah yeah and uh, now it's a group chat and i still see the kids like out sometimes like whether if i'm in boston uh which i am right now but i would see these kids out we would just tell stories forever it was just it was great. just ridiculous so but I think though, making this conversation full circle, mm -hmm. because I had had that, 
when I was looking to like rush a frat, because I didn't have an older brother or anybody to teach me like what the rules and regulations were for like joining a fraternity or anything like that. So I didn't really know what to expect. So I would go to parties and like try to talk to people, but I just was, I was real green. I didn't, I didn't really know because I wasn't used to like the heavy drinking, hugely loud music, like Unsu, unsu, yeah, it's my first time in Hamburg type. I was like used to like chill house parties. So, so you uh, you must have seen a few of my college days because that sounds exactly what, oh my what it was God. like for me. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that initially didn't entice me. So I didn't end up joining a fraternity. And mm-hmm. I think that that was a blessing and a curse. Now when I look back on my college years, I've got one friend uh, from university who I like, who was in a frat who like, we were always just buddies. His name is Trevor Cross. And he's actually the guy, he's the most interesting man in the world. Anything you can imagine from like making moonshine to like polishing kegs to wiring um, all my lighting packages for like my Explore wow. and my light bars for the M3s. He's just just the most hands-on, able to build anything individually you've ever met. He's amazing. But he was like my only friend. Uh, so I would go and like, he was in a fraternity called ATO. And so sometimes I would go there, but I didn't end up having, I guess the traditional college experience, but mm-hmm. I think that was definitely a blessing because when I was in school as well, I ended up starting what is now known as the Lehigh, Lehigh University, or Lehigh Drivers Club, which was a club that people like myself and maybe yourself as well, who were just, I didn't. A lot of kids that I found at Lehigh, they were into like mechanical stuff and somewhat into cars, but they didn't have an outlet. Right. So I ended up starting a club where we had, you know, 40, 50 members of people who just liked cars. And we, we would do presentations and hang out and shoot the shit and just talk about cars. So that was a fun thing. And now actually the, the club is really materialized at Lehigh. They've got a budget. They, they did like some hot, I just heard about this recently. It made me so proud. They did like some hostile takeover of another club that was failing and got their budgets. Now That's they're great buy a um they're gonna buy like a miata or something to have as like a, a lehigh a project like a club car yeah but so uh that was something that i think was a different college experience for me and i still went out uh junior and senior year i had a i really had a good time at uh, university because i lived about 50 yards less than that 30 yards from the best bar on campus or like that was right outside campus so we would always go there and ended up having friends like on the baseball team and on other soccer teams and such. So as, as I kind of got more familiar and actually had an identity at school, it was, it became a lot more fun. I did have a really good time, but I was never in a frat. So there would be, you know, Friday, Saturday night, but I'd be like, I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah. But, uh, I think that was definitely a blessing because when I wasn't doing anything, I was like, Hmm, maybe I should work on this business that I really need to hustle. That, that's what I was going to say. It seemed like that, that probably freed up some time. So tell happened? me about, tell me about how, who, so is it, is it Valtronics.com? Valtronics.com, yes. So tell me who should be going to Valtronics.com. What, what's your you know, ideal customer? So very good question. Everybody and anybody, I should say. But I initially thought that the reason I did Valvetronic was to make money. But then I realized that is the wrong way of looking around it. Because mm. now the focus is on how do we prolong enthusiasts like you and I's ability to enjoy our hobby? Because unfortunately it is not far away from where we're not able to drive the cars we want with the exhaust we want on the road. And it's coming, you know, we we see it a lot, whether it's inspection rules or whatever, and it's all for a good cause. You know, I'm not a fan of destroying the ozone layer, just like the next guy, but there is something so special about, I mean, shoot, Let's just take an example. Think about this. Think about the horror of a mother seeing her child look at like an SVJ and just go crazy. And, and like this woman knowing like this car is so bad for the environment right. or whatever. Like that just makes me so, so happy <laughs> to right. see like a young kid who's just about it. He just like, look at this, look at the doors. So when you, when you take this all back to what's the reason why we do what we do, mm-hmm. Everyone has to have their own path. But for me, it was really like, this is something that people need, whether it's our universal product, which you can put on literally anything. And I, I've seen I've seen this on the most ridiculous cars. I've seen it on Volkswagen bugs that are converted to like Baja bugs. Wow. Crazy. I've seen it on 
um, big F-250 gas trucks. I've seen it on Camaros. I've seen it on um, my, like I have a TRX that I use as like my truck, got it on there. And I've also seen it on like Civics and Accords and wow, the whole gambit. Everything. Seen, yeah, I've seen a mail truck with it. No way. I don't ask. I, 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 it was just, that was crazy. And I also saw like a London taxi that someone bought. That's really cool. An old Rolls Royce. I'm like, these are just everywhere. And it makes me real proud because the developments for that product have been so deep because I wanted to work on anything, whether it's going to go on some big six and a half liter, um, you know, Ford pickup, or it's mm -hmm. going to go on like a one liter Honda Accord. I wanted it to still be a really, really uh, usable product. And I actually talk about this in some of our other universal videos because I, it's important to convey why should you buy this compared to buying just a regular muffler? Because right. a lot of people, they don't, they never know the value of a valve exhaust until they don't have one and they've had one in the past because your neighbors don't hate you. The HOA doesn't have problems. The cops don't bother you. Quite frankly, I have gotten, and it's on my wall in my office, I've gotten one exhaust ticket in my entire life. Uh, of which I fought and won, fortunately. Um, but it's framed on my wall because you just don't you just don't get stopped. And I have situations where I've been stopped, whether it's in my safety car or in other cars that I have, and they're like, why is this car so loud? I'm like, I'm sorry, officer, with all due respect, this car is extremely quiet. Little rev. This was definitely you. I'm like, I'm you know, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, officer. I don't know if it was me, officer. It might have been somebody else, um, but you know, I'm really not, really not your guy here. That's and I've had, I've, I've gotten let go. Um, there's been situations where the police have known about the technology, and they'd be like, "Did you just close the exhaust?" I said, "Actually, yes. We make this product. You should buy one." And that usually, <laughs> you yeah. see police cars the voucher yeah. down the side. Um, Always be branding, man. Always be pushing. Exactly. So because of that aspect i mean it's it's all about conveying the perfect experience for somebody so whether it's a 400 product or a ten thousand dollar aventador exhaust i seldom ever build straight pipe systems for people because they're really compromised and i actually i built one for my for my buddy geo for his 458 no valves two and a half 2.75 inch just race ferrari 458 titanium system and he had a, a competitor's exhaust on the car before and just didn't like the sound and ended up getting rid of it and put this on. And he's like, Austin, I understand what you say now about why you need valves because he, he never, it's their show car. They seldom ever drive it. They want it to be loud, loud, loud. And he's like, I tried to take this girl to dinner and I like had to, we had to go and stop and buy headphones. I'm like, yeah, no you want, way. You wanted a straight pipe system, no valves, no muffins. You just wanted the most raw sound. And it does sound like a goddamn Formula One car. It is going to be a big turnoff when you, when you take a girl in a Ferrari, oh God, you're like, yeah, we gotta get, uh, we gotta get earplugs for this one. Uh, yeah. So, um, people now, I, mean, I think people are becoming more accustomed to the fact that they do need valves and we're trying to have really unique sound characteristics, but also keep the valves because it's really important for a lot of people. They need to be able to exit their HOA or whatever the vertical is, but the engineering processes for building a valve exhaust like it really has to work and you're working with really high heat components i have so many burns on my hands i'm just like <laughs> touching really shouldn't have touched up this is what it is part of the job yeah, this is battle scars and the thing is about just making a straight pipe system is there's a lot of compromises you're going to get a lot of drone a lot of vibration a lot of frequencies in the car but if you engineer a really good valve exhaust you should be able to get the sound quality but none of the drawbacks Wow. So that's where that's the experience we're really trying to go after. And we may dabble into more like straight pipe, you know, just race systems just because people want them. That's what the that's what the market has asked for. And you do lose a, a couple of decibels sometimes when you have valves. Not right. because valves are restricted, but more because if there is a muffler, like this is fascinating stuff. Kind of going on the geekery route. So if anybody no, turns on what we love now, I apologize. But no, this is what we love. If you have an exhaust system and it's straight, let's say we're doing a Ferrari 458 just because we've been discussing that car. Headers, cats, rear section. In the rear section, if you have a straight bypass and it comes out, but it has valves, system will sound really good, be really aggressive. But if you have a straight pipe system with no valves, it's a decent chunk louder. 
and you think, well, the exhaust is going to take the path of least resistance. Right. Why is it so much quieter, even though you have the valves straight open? It's the same design. Just the fact that the muffler casing is present draws a lot of sound. So even if the exhaust doesn't pass through the muffler casing, just because it's there, you get a resonance reduction effect just because the muffler happens to be present. Right. So, um, and I apologize for referencing him so much, but Gio just bought an Aventador SVJ Roadster. And right. he said, like, I want to go with Gintani. Like, I love Gintani. And credit to Alex and his team. They have built an incredible, incredible sounding system, I'm sure, as, you, as you've heard. Mm -hmm. There's only one compromise, though is those cars, when you're in them, they're extremely bassy. And I know Gio. Gio's a man of the town. He's going to be taking girls out, taking people out in this car. And he's like, what is the best system? I said, the Valtronic equal-length race system for this setup, you'll be perfect. He's like, why? I want the craziest, loudest thing. I said, Gio, from your 458 experience, you don't want the craziest, loudest thing. You want <laughs> sound, but no compromises. And right. in our Aventador SVJ system, you can drive that car all day long with the valves open and, and everyone else around you can hear the incredible sound, but there's no drone in the cabin with the valves. That's open. awesome. So it just comes down to good engineering with these products. So that's what I that's what really excites me is being able to bring the ultimate experience to the community. Because if you're just looking to sell something to make money, you're gonna lose. Yeah, hundred percent hearing about the wrong stuff. Um, so that's been a really interesting experience for me. Yeah. And it, money is such an attractive thing, but it's also super uh, unattractive the way that it can be construed into someone's life to where they have right. no other existence beside it. So we've yeah. tried hard to have good service, to have, you know, a good It's customer. the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. We had a, we had a gentleman on recently, Ryan Friedman, and he, uh, he sells cars. I don't know if you heard of Ryan Friedman motor cars. He sells cars out of Long Island. Um, mostly enthusiast cars. And he put it into perspective in a really great way. He said um, for him, it's the customer, then the experience, then the business. So like money and everything else comes last. And I think that's why he's been able to be so successful. And it sounds like why you're so successful. Excuse it's me. like girls. So if you don't, pay, you don't pay attention, you don't try. It just kind of shows up. It's just, I think it's the same thing. Not say you shouldn't try. Uh, for, I know uh, what you mean though. Like the, it's it's the things that you could, to kind of flesh out. What you just said you work on yourself, and right. then everything else will come. If you can, so, yeah, you really have. To, it's about the experiences. So that's really the Valtronic kind of ethos. Is we want to provide people with the ultimate sound experience for whatever budget they happen to be in, and give people the flexibility to enjoy their hobby to the nth degree with no compromises. Yeah, and that's great. why I think we've been so successful. Fortunately, and I. You know, I'm very fortunate that I think the success will continue. I have a lot to learn, but uh, it's really been an incredible journey thus far. So lots to learn though, but along the road, I, I'm very fortunate too, because I've realized that it's not necessarily about the products and the business and all those verticals. It's really about the people, whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I was actually talking to somebody who, is, who was a neurosurgeon, who's now a consultant for hospital matters and hospital affairs. We just happened to you know, get talking and I, we were chatting about just what is the real verticals of dealing with these types of businesses. And he and I just look at each other and we just go, people, we said it at the same time. That's all it's yeah. about at the end of the day. So, yeah. So where can people find you? Where do you want to direct people to plug and promote everything? Oh, okay. um, if they want to see ridiculous stunt driving, enjoyable car videos that are very simple to make, fortunately, um, with some really good sound. My Instagram is just A from B, uh, the number three afterwards, because I couldn't get A from B. Damn. Don't ask. Uh, and then, yeah, we're on Instagram at valtrank.com. And I've actually got uh, some other kind of companies and ventures that will be coming out. I'm working on with Geo on a new product that everybody's going to see very soon. Mm -hmm. It is a, uh, a product that you're going to have in your vehicle that has all your essentials inside. So stay wow. tuned that yeah, i'd love and to have you guys on together maybe in the in the next few weeks we'll talk about that as well we can do it up it'd be great and last is there anything else that you want to leave the people with any uh, any last minute advice or anything you want people to know about you or anything I'll, I'll 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 end this on one of my favorite quotes fear is just as afraid of you as you are of it so that stems from life is about execution 
ideas are really cheap. And I, I've got some people who they think ideas of the world. And I'm like, all right, execute. And then the two months goes by, oh, I don't know what to do. So the execution is what counts. And so if you're really uncomfortable, if you're really fearing something, when you are most uncomfortable, is that that's exactly when you should jump. Because mm. regardless of what it is, you have to think about how big could you dream if you knew that you couldn't fail? Because people ask me a lot of the time for advice. They go, how did you do this? What is the process? And my, my reaction is just one word. It's just go. And they go, what, what do you mean? Go, what do I do? And I'm just like, I don't know what you need to do. You just need to do it. Go. You need to experiment, try, invest, educate yourself. And it's one of the reasons why I've been fortunate to wear Someone called me today and they were, they were a friend of a friend. They wanted to get an exhaust for their BMW M2. And they called me and I said, Hey, I've only got a couple minutes, but you know, what can I help you with? And they said, I'm looking to get an exhaust for my M2. And I, he said, which one is best? And I said to him, I said, let's define what best is for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. How, okay. How loud do you want the car? Do you need the valves? Do you care about having the valves? Um, and ultimately we, he wants to do the valves for next single mid pipe, which is equal length. But he said, I don't really care about the valve. I just want it loud, you know, whatever. And I said, quite frankly, you might be able to get a better product from somebody else because we design our products for a particular type of person who needs the flexibility. And if someone doesn't need it, don't buy from us. And that's, I think a lot of times everybody tries to capitalize on every sale they possibly can because money is pretty attractive. Right. If you, if you focus on what you're best at, people have asked me, Why don't you make wheels? Why don't you make carbon? Why don't you make all this other stuff? People spread themselves very thin, very quickly. So you are just the absolute best and you are fully committed and you are absolutely 100% focused on being the best and educating yourself. How could you fail? Yeah. Really? So that's what I'll leave the, uh, the people with is that's awesome, dude. execution. You got to just make it happen. Um, don't feel people really think that if they fail, they're going to die. And maybe in certain situations that might be the case, but for business, you're going, to lose, you're going to lose some money. So yeah. you better be comfortable that there's ups and downs in life and in life and be prepared for a much more fruitful future. If you begin executing. Dude, that was amazing <laughs> for real. That was, that was awesome. Super inspiring. Thank you. You let, I think you gave, so much value in, in, in the things that you've said today. And I can't, can't thank you enough. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. And I'm going to go make myself some dinner now. Right? Nice, man. Thank you. <laughs>